sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. It is officially the first day of fall. The air is brisk. I am wearing a sweater, which means it's a football Friday. Live right here all the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. That's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz Network, that's Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us on this football Friday on TMA. We will get you ready for week number three in the National Football League regular season, week number four in the college football campaign. Outside of the first full Saturday slate, week number one, this is my favorite Saturday of the year so far in college football. And it truly is officially fall. That means football. And week number three started last night in Cleveland, Ohio, where if you looked at the total pregame, you were thinking this might be late December in Big Ten football because it's 37 and a half for the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. But we saw more offense last night than we initially anticipated as the Cleveland Browns dominate the second half against the Steelers at home last night, outscoring Pittsburgh 16 to three in those final two quarters to take the victory against their AFC North rival, 29 to 17. The win was a factor last night. We saw it in missed field goal attempts, missed extra points, and an emphasis on the ground game. And it truly was, but we saw more points than we expected as well. The Browns covering as a three and a half point home favorite, a total of 37 and a half, 38 in a hook goes over. And the final play of the game as the Steelers try some kind of pitchy woo-woo to stay in the football game is turned over and the Browns fall on it in the end zone. So if you had a total teased up to 43 and a half or you had the Steelers teased up to nine and a half, 10, or you were on that Pat McAfee boost on the FanDuel Sportsbook yesterday, a very bad beat on that final play of the game that allows Cleveland to win by 12, 29 to 17. Now the Steelers, as you see for that first half total, came out playing. And there was more offense in that first half. Pittsburgh was up 14 to 13 at the break, well over that number of 19 and a half for the first half total, where the under, as you saw right there, had plenty, plenty of juice. But there was one thing that did go as expected last night. That was an emphasis on the ground on both sides of the football for both teams in this case. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and Najee Harris, Nick Chubb last night, 23 carries, a buck 13 on the ground and a touchdown. The second of three games already for Chubb this year over the century mark in terms of his rushing yards production. Kareem Hunt also over his rushing yards prop, finishing with 12 carries for 47 yards. And third time's a charm, Najee Harris also over his rushing yards prop that was booked around 54 and a half, finishing with 56. So the ground game was important last night, but the quarterbacks were also a focus. First, let's start with the winning quarterback yesterday evening for the Cleveland Browns. Jacoby Brissett has been very, very efficient in this Kevin Stefanski Cleveland offense here so far to begin this season. An 81.5% completion percentage last week, albeit in that very tough loss late to the New York Jets. But last night, still really good for Brissett. 
21 of 31, 220 yards, and two touchdowns. It was the first time all year Mitchell Trubisky had gone over his passing yards prop and gone over 200 yards. He finishes with 207, 20 of 32, and no touchdowns, no interceptions, though, either. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the opening hour of a football Friday, live on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 1. 59. All of our terrestrial radio affiliates live right here in the mix as well. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us as we set the stage for week number three of the NFL season. A full-blown preview of your Sunday slate coming up in this opening hour and in the second hour as well. Week four of the college football season all across the biggest stories on this sports landscape on this Friday on the morning after as well. So the ground game was very good last night in Cleveland between the Steelers and the Browns, but both quarterbacks over their passing yards props as well. It was a bigger night than expected for both Mitchell Trubisky and Jacoby Brissett, and a bigger night in the wide receiver rooms as well. Amari Cooper for Cleveland, over 100 yards and a touchdown, and Mitchell Trubisky late in that first half, finding the rookie wideout, George Pickens, for what might already be the catch of the season here in 2022 in the National Football League. It was good to see George Pickens involved in the offense Three grabs last night, 39 yards. That one-handed spectacular grab was for 36 yards down the sideline. He only has five receptions, though, does George Pickens, to begin this season. He was the preseason betting favorite to an offensive rookie of the year, moving in front of his fellow rookie on the Pittsburgh Steelers, Kenny Pickett. We'll have that discussion up next. What Steelers fans want at the quarterback position the rest of the way, because Pittsburgh now... One and two straight up this year. One and one within the division. And the Steelers, the longest odds to win the AFC North at the moment. $3 of movement against the Steelers following the outcome last night in Cleveland, Ohio. Seven to one entering, now 10 to one. The Browns price does grow a little bit shorter from plus 360 to win the AFC North. Now down to plus 310. No movement on the two prices ahead of Cleveland and Pittsburgh. The Baltimore Ravens still the favorites at even money. The Bengals a dollar and ninety cents behind at plus two ninety. So that's how things stand in the AFC North. A rare divisional non-cover for Mike Tomlin booked as an underdog. Kevin Stefanski now the first Browns coach to beat the Steelers three times since that franchise came back into the league in 1999. We'll go around the Sunday slate. Week three of the NFL up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. As you woke up on this Friday morning, you probably felt that chill in the air. A reminder that it is an officially fall on the calendar, and it is certainly football season. A football Friday continues live on the morning after on SportsGrid. If it is a football Friday here on TMA, that means Mike Blewett is now in the mix as well. The host of Pro Football today, each and every Sunday morning, setting up your slate for week number three, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern time, all the way up until kick at 1 p.m. Eastern. Blew it behind your right shoulder is a terrible oh, yeah. towel that used to be swung at Heinz Field, now called 
AcroSure Stadium. Your team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, in action to open up week number three last night in Cleveland, Ohio. It was a good first half, more points than we expected. The Steelers up 14 to 13 at the break, but Cleveland rallies in the second, outscoring Pittsburgh 16 to 3. The Browns win and cover 29-17 as a three and a half point home favorite. Mike Blewett, what was your reaction to what you saw to start week number three last night in Cleveland? So I think like a lot of people, I think I was a little surprised at how good both off, how well both offenses were able to function in the first half. And we got more points. We got more points in the first half. We got more points during the course of the game than I anticipated. I missed the under. I, I jumped on the under a little early, even when it was 38 and a half. I know it came down before kick yesterday, but win some, lose some. Uh, the final, I'm, I'm just sort of glad the final touchdown didn't factor into it because that would have been an all-time bad beat. I know it did for some people, so uh, my condolences this morning. But this is just going to be the issue with the Steelers. They are they obviously have these talented players at the skill positions, but the combination of the offensive line not being able to let Najee Harris get past the line of scrimmage without getting hit and yeah. them creating more time for no matter who's playing quarterback is going to be an issue. Now, that being said, Mitch is to blame for some of the things. I thought Herb Street did a really good job on the broadcast of noting that, hey, he's got time on a couple of these throws and he's immediately rolling out and creating situations where he's got to throw on the run because that's where he's comfortable. He's just not comfortable enough in the pocket making accurate throws. And the Steelers desperately need somebody like that because they have at least two, th they have three guys that can get open. Two of them can catch it fairly well. And Claypool's got other problems, although he had an okay game last night, but they're all going to have been okay games until this offense ramps it up. And I think the combination of the offensive line, Mitch being nervous and Matt Canada not being consistently fast-paced or wide open with the offense is an issue. So, blew it quickly here. You are a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, but also a premier football mind here on the grid. When do you think, realistically, we might see Kenny Pickett as the starting quarterback in Pittsburgh? It's a good question. I, I really don't think that Tomlin is the type of guy to feel any pressure or get panicked at all about it. I'm just looking at the schedule now as I bring it up. They have a long break here before they play the Jets, then it's at the Bills. That was the game, then it's Tampa, and then at Miami and at Philly. So, like, there's no easy time other than now to potentially bring in a rookie. If it were me, I probably would stick it out with Mitch just because I don't want to see my rookie quarterback get annihilated by Tampa and Miami and Philly's pass rushes, notably Tampa's, and clearly not the Bills. I wouldn't break him in on that game. So after the bye week, it's November 13th. You got the Saints. What it's what is it going to look like then? Is it going to be really bad? Is it going to be a, a two and six situation? Because then it doesn't really matter. Just let Pickett play. It's a great point, and we will evaluate that as we continue to go. So in the AFC North right now, following last night, the Cleveland Browns, the third best price. The Steelers, the longest of the four. The team with the second best odds blew it. The Cincinnati Bengals won this division 
last year, won the AFC a season ago, appeared in Super Bowl 56, but so far in 2022, Mike Blewett, have yet to record a win. They have lost outright in each of their first two games as a seven and a half point favorite. They're a six point favorite on the road this Sunday in MetLife against the New York Jets. But what needs to get fixed and fixed quickly for Cincy to finally find the win column? So I think what gets lost in a lot of the excitement for Bengals fans and people that are bullish on the Bengals in that they had one fatal flaw last year, right? Their offensive line. And it showed in the second half of the Super Bowl. It showed throughout the season, but yep. they ran hot during the playoffs, kicked a lot of field goals, and played some good defense. But in the Super Bowl, we saw what happened with them. So what do they do? They go out, they get Alex Kappa, they sign Lyle Collins. We've fixed the problem, everybody. We've addressed the offensive line issue. Well, one thing about offensive line play that I think people underrate is it does take some time for mm -hmm. a new unit and new players to gel. It is not a type of unit on the field where you just automatically add pieces from all over the league and everything's fixed by week one. I think it's going to take some time. I do expect them to play better because it's a much more talented offensive line, but it's just taking some time to gel. And I think, unfortunately, Joe Burrow is really feeling the effects of that. You don't want to be on pace to take 111 sacks in a season. That would break the record by about 40. So it's not something that's sustainable. <laughs> So uh, I, I do think that's really a, a major issue for them right now. I do expect it to get worked out. I don't think it'll get yep. worked out in time for them to perhaps win the division if the Ravens continue to win games. But I, I don't think this is a disastrous season for them. I just think it's taking some time for the offensive line to get back together. And as you see what those make playoff odds, since he was favored to get into the AFC postseason before the year now on the outside looking in, at least indicated by the odds, at plus 140. So the Bengals were a playoff team a season ago, winless so far in 2022. Two other playoff teams blew it in the AFC, who were playoff teams last year, winless so far in 2022, face each other this weekend in Nashville. We would expect at least one of these teams has to get a win on Sunday, but there is always the potential for a tie. It's the Raiders and the Titans in Tennessee. And right now, Blue it Vegas, a slight road favorite. How do you break down this matchup? Yeah, one thing I would note, too, about these 0-2 teams, and there's five of them, Bengals, Raiders, Titans, Falcons, and Panthers. Of the 0-2 teams since 1990, that's 265 0-2 teams, only 11% advanced to the postseason that's 30 of them only 15 of them overall have won the division that's five percent and three of them have actually won the super bowl so your chances are really not great at zero and two to even make the playoffs let alone go a lot further than that as far as this game is concerned i feel a lot worse about the titans than i do about the raiders at the moment yep. so i do like the raiders in this game and I would also, I have to note, there's a caveat. Every time we talk about the Titans, I think they're the worst team to bet on in the entire league. They're very mm -hmm. difficult to figure out. That's been the case when they've mm -hmm. been winning games. It's the case when they're losing games. So proceed with caution. But I think the Raiders are in a much better spot. And outside of Derrick Henry becoming a hero every game, the Titans are very are going to struggle a lot in games this year.
Think about the Titans' three spreads now. A five-and-a-half-point home favorite week one against the Giants. They lose that game because Brian Dayball goes for two, and the Giants convert. Then a 10-point underdog on the road in Buffalo. Tennessee never comes close to covering that number. Now a one-and-a-half-point favorite at home against a winless Vegas team. And the AFC South has been a very confusing division so far. The Colts also winless the only team in this division that has recorded a win so far this year the jacksonville jaguars and the jags have seen their price improve if indianapolis can get a win it doesn't seem sunday is the best spot for it blew it at home in indy a five and a half point underdog against the unbeaten kansas city chiefs plenty more from around the national football league with mike blewett here on a football friday on the morning after the preview of the sunday slate up next right here on the grid sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Setting up week three of the National Football League regular season and some divisional duels around the slate that really should grab your attention. We continue to do that here on a Football Friday Live on the morning after on SportsGrid. He is Mike Blewett. I am Ben Stevens. Mike Blewett is the host of Pro Football Today each and every Sunday, live at 10 a.m. Eastern time right here on the grid, alongside Kevin Walsh and a variety of other contributors all Sunday morning into the early afternoon long blue one of the games that i'm most looking forward to on sunday happens in south beach an afc east showdown between the buffalo bills and the miami dolphins a matchup of two unbeaten teams so far both at a perfect 2-0 two of the three remaining unbeatens within the afc and mike blew it like every number associated with the buffalo bills this line has grown in favor of buffalo throughout the week it was four and a half before the Buffalo beat down on Monday night against the Titans, got all the way up to six, now has settled at five and a half in favor of the Bills on the road in Miami against the Finns. What do you think this game will teach us about both of these teams, namely Miami, on if they are a competitive side all season long? So I think Bills fans are going to start to think, or Bills backers are going to, going to start to think that I'm against the Bills. I'm not. I, I They're my Super Bowl pick, so I'm a huge believer in the Bills. I've just been very cautious about the early season. Now, Ben, you and I talked a lot about this, and you were at risk of holding off on the Bills because you might not ever get a better price than 6-1 to one to win the Super Bowl or 6.5 or 7-1 to one where it was during the summer. It's already dropped, obviously. Uh, because they're 2-0, and they're 2-0 in impressive fashion. But I'll throw out another number. The temperature, 87 degrees with humidity, expected to feel like 103 degrees at kick. So I would just note that very strange things do happen in Miami in September. That's long been the case, even when they were not a good team. So I would be wary of laying a lot of points and the opposing teams getting gassed when they come in, even if it's the Bills. So, I like the points here. I understand how dominant the Bills have been, and it wouldn't surprise me in the least if they just keep running through teams. But they do have a tough stretch of their schedule right now, and I think Miami 
is obviously a part of that. I My concern for the Dolphins is, are they going to have a letdown after such an emotional win on Sunday against a good team in the Ravens? I think it's possible, but it, if you're not motivated for the Bills and you're the Dolphins, yeah. then we've got bigger problems. This is the biggest opponent that they're going to have this season, and it just happens to come after the emotional Ravens game. So I, I just, when we talk about divisional road favorites, it's not a great position to bet into. It doesn't mean they can't cover that they don't, but you're going to give me a touchdown nearly? And I got the Dolphins at home when it's 103 degrees. I'm good. I'll take those. And it's tied for the largest total of the Sunday slate at 52.5. You saw those numbers associated with both Buffalo and Miami right now. The Bills have the best odds of any team in the AFC to make the postseason at minus 1,200. That's a virtual lock. They are minus 360 to win the division that both they and the Miami Dolphins play in. But it's not so much that divisional price for the Finns. It's the fact they're now nearly a minus $2 favorite to get into the playoffs, a plus 140 price before this year got underway. So it feels maybe strange to say, yes, it's early. Sure, it's a divisional game. But this Sunday does feel significant. We know the Buffalo Bills are very, very good. We get a really good test for the Dolphins here after a huge come-from-behind victory against the Baltimore Ravens a week ago. That is what we will see on Sunday. Let's flip it over from the AFC Blewett to the NFC in the NFC North. The Minnesota Vikings back at home on a short week following the loss in Philly on Monday night, hosting those Detroit Lions. The Lions an underdog once again. They closed as an underdog last week. They are now 13-6 and against the spread under Dan Campbell. All 19 games booked as an underdog. It's a five-and-a-half point number, Blewett. Is the spread too large in Minnesota's favor? I think so. I've been staring at this game all week. This is a tough one because I do think that the total belies what I'm thinking about this game and that I think they're just going to get after each other offensively. I think the defenses have both proven that they have some issues, right? Both of them dealing with Philly uh, has been difficult early on in the season. But I do expect points here. There's a couple of props that I like, and I think you have two, one superstar wide receiver and one who's on his way to it. I, I think a lot of the buzz about Amon Ross St. Brown going into the season in fantasy circles and people talking about futures, I think is justified. I think he's as legit as his production is showing right now. So I think you have some props here that we can look at, notably Amon Ross St. Brown receptions. Uh, when that comes yeah. out, his yardage total 69 and a half, I think is something to look at. And there was one that I had last night, Ben, as I was going through the research, you can get a same game parlay on on the uh, Amon Ross St. Brown touchdown and Justin Jefferson touchdown and pays out at 232. So it's not as great a parlay payout as I would want, but those guys are significantly minus money to score a touchdown. So you pair them together in what I think is going to be a high scoring game. That might be an angle to approach. Uh, again, divisional game, five and a half points. It's a crooked number, and I, I hate betting it at five and a half. But right now, I think, again, I'll take the points here. I think this can be a shootout, but a close one. 
blew it 69 and a half is that receiving yards prop for Amon Ross St. Brown it still feels yeah. a little bit light for a guy that set a new NFL record last week six straight games with eight or more receptions and a touchdown in that same game an NFL mm. record and Justin Jefferson is on the other side his receiving yards prop is 98 and a half he was targeted a ton on Monday night but Darius Slay had himself a heck of a ball game. Blew it the opening weekend of the year. The Vikings also at home in an NFC North divisional matchup against the Green Bay Packers. The Vikings closed as a short favorite. They held serve on their own home turf, and the line in the NFC North came down. The Packers were still the favorites, but only by 15 cents. After what you saw out of the Vikings, and they've seen the market work against them slightly here, Monday night in Philadelphia, do you still believe Minnesota is a contender for the NFC North crown to knock Green Bay off its perch? Uh, a contender with a small C, I would say. Okay. It, it would really require the Packers to play worse than I anticipate. It's possible. I think the Vikings are still going to have a good season, and I think they're a playoff team. I have not thought at any point that they should be in the driver's seat for the division or that they'd win the division, but I think it could be close. I, I, I wouldn't be stunned if we're sitting here in January and we're still wondering who's going to win the NFC North, but that being said, I, I think the Packers still have it by a, a game or two. Minnesota's in a good position. They have talented, uh, hyper-talented skill players in a couple of positions, mm -hmm. and I think that's going to help them win games. Kirk Cousins, when things are easy for Kirk Cousins, the stats come through. That's just really the type of quarterback he is. He's right around. Every time we do this rankings, is Kirk Cousins top 10? Is he not top 10? He's about there. He's about 10. And when he plays on prime time against good teams, it doesn't go well. When things are easy and he's got a pocket against the Lions, he can't cover anyone, it's going to look good. They'll probably have a 300-yard game, and Justin Jefferson will go off, and they might win. But when when the when the when he meets another barrier and he has to play really good teams in tough situations, that's where it gets a little dicey for him. It just has been that way historically. I don't expect it to change. It doesn't mean he's bad. It just means he's not an elite quarterback. The total is 52 and a half again, tied with the Bills and the Dolphins for the largest number of this weekend slate, weekend number three of the National football league the good news for kirk cousins and minnesota backers the game is at 1 p.m eastern time in the twin cities all right the team that beat the vikings on monday night the philadelphia eagles blue minus 210 now to win the nfc east a six and a half point road favorite in a divisional game against the washington commanders outside of the nation's capital on sunday afternoon blue it are you buying into philly following two weeks of nfl action yeah i I I balked at when Kevin Walsh and I host Pro Football Today with me, and obviously the early line here, when we released our Super Bowl picks in week one, I was right there at the edge between the Packers and the Eagles for the NFC. And now I feel I feel bad that I didn't pick the Eagles. But I absolutely think they're legit. I've been saying for months on this show and elsewhere that I think they were going to win the NFC East. And I think that's at this point... I. I'd almost call it now. They're clearly the best team in this division. It doesn't mean it's going to be a free ride the rest of the way, but I do think they're the best team, and I think they're going to challenge some of the other teams, I, I, other, the other teams for the NFC crown. That takes a lot, so it, it could this could be a very different team in January and February, but I really do right. think the Eagles are legit.
about a week and a half before the season got underway, even following the Chauncey Gardner-Johnson trade that sent him to Philadelphia to join that secondary. The Eagles were 14-1, to tied for the fifth-best price to win the NFC Championship. They are now tied for the second-best price, as you see there, with a number at plus 500. The Eagles laying near a touchdown on the road against Washington. We have another divisional game that we'll get to a little bit later on. It's in Carolina between the Panthers and the Saints. Carolina, one of those winless teams so far within the NFC, but a home game for them against New Orleans. That will be a part of Mike Blewett's triple option. I'll give you mine as well. Our favorite sides, totals, and props for week three of the National Football League Sunday schedule coming your way next year on a Football Friday live on the morning after on sports come back and join us sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com On this football Friday, the first day officially of fall, we believe in one thing above all else, that is establishing the run. The triple option here to set the stage for week number three of this NFL season. Me, Ben Stevens, and Mike Blewett back on your television screens and across the radio airwaves with our favorite side, total, and prop for the Sunday slate across the NFL. Blewett, I like the angle both you and I are taking for our favorite side, the same number, the same approach, focusing on the opening half, but different teams. Please begin with your favorite side, that approach for week three of this Sunday slate. Yeah, the NFL is not easy. You go, you start looking at it earlier in the week, and you're like, geez, these lines feel pretty sharp on a lot of these games. I don't know that I want to lay five and a half points. I don't know that I want to lay a touchdown here, even if I think the Bengals are going to roll over the Jets, laying six six or six and a half points on the road is a lot, especially when the Bengals have struggled. So uh, what I wanted to go with is, Ben, you and I have talked a lot about early on in the season, we feel like the lines maybe aren't adjusted yet. That's starting to get to the point where we can't say that anymore. But I still feel that way about the Eagles. I just talked about how bullish I am on the Eagles. I think the Eagles offense has been rolling, and I think they can get off to a good start against the commanders i don't think the commanders defense as much as we've expected good things from them is anywhere near where they need to be in order to get stops so i'm going to go with the eagles laying three and a half in the first half against the washington commanders the spread's pretty big overall so again those are divisional opponents laying six and a half points on the road is just not something i feel comfortable with but i do like philly to get out to a lead and this avoids any kind of backdoor cover late in the game you can get backdoor covered in the first half but I, I like them to get off to a better start so let's go with that it's a great point blue because you always say it's difficult to lay near a touchdown in a divisional matchup especially as the road team heading to washington and of course when you focus on the opening half just by the logistics of it all it is a tougher bet to hit because you have half of the time. It's only 30 minutes of action. A team could pull away late and have that cover. That time is reduced, certainly, in the first two quarters. But it's the area I look as well 
for the Bengals and the Jets. The line right now is six in favor of Cincinnati. Earlier this week, it was four and a half in favor of the Bengals. The Bengals off their second straight loss this year, winless so far, losing outright in both games as a greater than touchdown favorite. Last week in the star in Dallas, the Jets off that heroic comeback, down by 13 points, under two minutes left. Joe Flacco flips back the clock, dashes through that Brown secondary for four touchdowns on the game in total and they have that dramatic comeback win so maybe some of that market love for New York there and it was only four and a half in favor of Cincy now it's at six so instead of that I will look at the first half number Cincy laying only three and a half in the opening two quarters I say that with a bit of pause because Cincy has started incredibly slow before making the ball game a game in that second half they were down 17 to 6 week number one against the Pittsburgh Steelers at home at the break last week against Dallas in Dallas down 17 to 3 at the half time break that needs to change since you right now only averaging four and a half points per game in the first half that's fifth worst in the entire league but last year averaged nearly 13 points per game in the opening half the Jets only averaged 8.4 that was the fourth worst first half offense in the National Football League that's the script in my opinion blew it for Zach Taylor for Joe Burrow for everybody involved with Cincinnati if they can keep him upright to come out and finally get a win maybe covering that six point spread but a fast start in MetLife on Sunday so I was just doing the Evan McPherson math and just a yep. little addition, a little bonus prop for you. The Evan McPherson over field goals prop, which I'd shop around to where you can find it. It's generally set at one and a half. He's hit it 12 of 13. And I hmm. believe it's now nine weeks in a row dating back to last season. So the Bengals are not shy about putting McPherson out there and letting him kick. He's been money, obviously. So just keep that in mind wherever you can find that Evan McPherson prop so i'm gonna go on my total uh i'm gonna bet against the panthers this week panthers under 19 and a half ben we've talked a lot about how uh teams are teams team totals are coming down a little bit i think the panthers is slightly inflated baker struggling the offense is struggling as a whole despite the talent on it so i'm going to take them under 19 and a half against a saints team that has obviously done a pretty good job overall since that first half against the Falcons of limiting the scoring uh, got into a fist fight with the Bucks last week but were generally able yep. to halt their offense and I think they're able to do it here Saints definitely need to bounce back with a win and so I like them to limit the Panthers to basically under 20 points Blue, I was very high on the New Orleans Saints entering this season. It hasn't been all that pretty for a team. I love the over of their win total at eight and a half. It was even money to the over. This is now three straight games, however, though, against divisional opponents. Opening week on the road in Atlanta. Last week at home against Tampa Bay. Now on the road in Carolina. A rather difficult stretch, I guess, from a divisional standpoint. But the NFC South is maybe one of the worst divisions in all of football so that's a good area to look the Saints a top five defensive unit their defensive coordinator last year Dennis Allen now the head coach that's an area certainly to keep an eye on for Sunday in Carolina I am also focusing on a team total blew it and I approaching the triple option through similar angles of attack I'm going to an over though of an offense I feel really good about the Baltimore Ravens 22 and a half 
is that team total taking the over against the New England Patriots Baltimore has gone over this number in both games so far this year 24 week number one on the road against the New York Jets 38 last week they are tied for the fourth best scoring offense so far in the NFL averaging 31 points per game and of course they had that dramatic collapse against the Dolphins last week up by three touchdowns early in the fourth it was Miami that shined through offensively well Baltimore did as well 473 yards of total offense last week against the Finns and if there's going to be any recipe for success for New England this year it's on the defensive side of the football only allowing 17 points per game so far that's a top 10 unit they were the third best defense from a scoring perspective last year only allowing just a tick over 19 points per game so New England is good defensively this game is in Foxborough and it's only a two and a half point spread but I still think the Ravens go over 22 and a half why more than anything Lamar Jackson fully healthy threw for over 300 yards last week against Miami ran for over 100 as well and blew it when Lamar has been healthy as the full-time starting quarterback only 12 games a season ago but in 2019 and 2020 this offense has been a top 10 unit each of those two years and already here in the third season his MVP year back in 2019 the Ravens were the best scoring offense in the league averaging nearly 32 points per game even in 2020 the eighth best offense in the league averaging over 27 points per game I think the flock goes over their team total of 22 and a half on the road in Gillette on Sunday afternoon uh, I like it you said the Pats defense is pretty good but I don't know I think they might be a little their numbers might be a little inflated I think that efficient offenses or high performing offenses like the Ravens can be at times can take advantage this team they don't really have much of a pass rush outside of Matt Judon so uh, I like your call here with the Ravens I'm gonna go I think there's a lot of props this week to take advantage of because a lot of the sides are really sharp and these games are a little bit more difficult to handicap so this is just one of many that I'm sure we'll go over I mentioned Evan McPherson I mentioned the the double uh, the same game parlay double touchdowns from St. Yep. Brown and Jefferson and I'll go with a really simple one here in a game that we expect a lot of points I like Jalen Waddle over 61 and a half yards I thought about Tyreek Hill Waddle's just a lower number the McDaniel offense is really doing wonders for Tua and these two receivers getting them in space so they can run with it I think that number is low enough that the one slight uh, uh, chip in the Bills defense is a corner right now so I think over yeah. time it's going to get any better Trey White's going to be healthy and uh, they're going to have some rookies that are are playing more often and playing better but I, I think they can take advantage of their defensive backfield a little bit and I like Waddle to get in space and get 62 yards some of these receiving props just coming out this Friday morning we talked about Amon Ross St. Brown 69 and a half blew it to put that into true context did not go over that number in week number one under with 64 yards over 110 last week though but over 69 and a half in seven of the last eight games the volume is there for Amon Ross St. Brown when it comes to that receiving yards his reception prop. I go number the then, his yeah. reception number yeah. is the one that we want to take advantage of last week it was six and a half as you've mentioned eight receptions in a row for eight straight games third guy in NFL history to do that along with Antonio Brown and Michael Thomas so if that stays at six and a half you bet the over on Moss Amon Ross St. Brown 
even to seven and a half, he's hit that for eight games in a row. So keep in mind that number, not just the receiving yardage total. And double-digit targets as well, each of the first two games this season. But of course, it's the triple option. I go to the ground. David Montgomery for the Chicago Bears. His rushing yards prop just coming out for a Sunday at Soldier Field against the Houston Texans. The Bears, a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. David Montgomery's rushing yards prop is 68-and-a-half. That's fine. I would take that. I like the over there, but he only had 26 week number one. He did have 122 last week on the road in Lambeau against the Green Bay Packers. But I look more so to his rushing attempts prop when that hopefully becomes available Sunday morning. 17 carries against the Niners, 15 carries last week against the Packers, and we have seen this Chicago offense be about as conservative as possible they have the highest rushing play percentage in the national football league 66 percent of the plays the bears offense has ran this year on the ground they are the only team in the national football league that is above 60 percent when it comes to the rushing play percentage and the texans were the second worst rush defense in the league a season ago they're giving up more yards on the ground on average already through two weeks 163 on average. I think Chicago Blewett attacks that Houston Texans team through that ground approach because they're really not letting Justin Fields do all that much. Their focus is certainly running the football. One final attempt prop for you that I think will be interesting in a game we haven't discussed yet. Justin Herbert and the Chargers, a touchdown favorite at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know me, Blue, and I always look to Herbert's attempts. He threw the ball nearly 50 times last week on a Thursday against the Chiefs, but also the rib cartilage fracture now. How do you think that affects Justin Herbert, the Chargers, as a seven-point favorite against Jacksonville on Sunday at home? I would normally really like the Chargers here, but it's a lot of points, and the quarterback is obviously dealing with a very painful issue right now. I'll continue to see what that progress looks like through the weekend, uh, but it's clear. Mm-hmm. They they do want to let him throw. I'm happy about that, and you should be happy about that if you're a Chargers fan. That's going to be the way for uh, extreme success this season, but I think you need a little bit more information on exactly what Herbert has looked like during the week today. And to, today will be a key day how he looks at practice yeah. before we start betting any Justin Herbert overs. Otherwise, it might be the rare situation where we bet him under. No props out yet for anybody in that game, probably all around Justin Herbert's health. Mike Blewett, the host of Pro Football Today. Always a pleasure here on a football Friday. Thank you sincerely for your time. Pro Football Today, Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern time. We're back on the morning after. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rounding out our number one of a football Friday live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. And all across the Sports Grid Network, I am Ben Stevens. A football Friday, officially in fall. When the air is chilly outside, it just feels right. Week number three of the NFL season underway last night. In Cleveland, the Browns using a big second half to knock off their AFC North divisional foe 
and the Pittsburgh Steelers, 29-17. The final, Cleveland covering as a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. The Steelers only putting up three points in that second half. Mitchell Trubisky over 200 yards for the first time this season, but a lot still to be desired on that offense. Matt Canada and his play calling at the quarterback position and certainly along the offensive line. It has already led fans to clamor for the young quarterback, the rookie, Kenny Pickett, the only QB taken in the first round of the 2021 NFL draft, or 2022, rather, NFL draft. So what should the Steelers do, Trubisky or Pickett? That's what we asked you in Fade the Public. So who do you think the Steelers should start at quarterback the rest of the season? This is a public poll with a public opinion. At SportsGrid TV on Twitter, Kenny Pickett, the runaway winner of this poll. Nearly 74% of the vote right now that Kenny Pickett, the number 20 overall pick from the 2022 NFL Draft, should be the starter. What that would do to the Offensive Rookie of the Year odds. Kenny Pickett still tied for the fifth best price at 12 to 1. I have always thought it would be correlated to that win total because Mike Tomlin is that staple of consistency at the helm of the Steelers organization. It was seven and a half wins before last night. The under at minus 150. I think when it becomes refreshed on the FanDuel Sportsbook, probably looks closer to six and a half. And the Steelers odds that you saw there, the longest in the AFC North at 10 to 1. Hour number two of the morning after is up next, live right here on Sportsbook.